be authentic. At the end of the day, if you learn to become curious, you will gain a skill that will provide for you for the rest of your life. Oh, hi, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey Mark. Hey Mark. Hey Mark. Hey Mark. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Hey Mark, the podcast where I, Mark, get to have open and authentic conversations about things like mental health, self-development, and just the problems we face on a daily basis. The reason I started this podcast is because I want to try and help alleviate some of the suffering that's happening out there in silence for people that don't know kind of how to put the words to what they're feeling, who to talk to about it, or what to do. So. At the very least, I'm hoping I could bring you guys some good perspectives, new perspectives, new way to think about things, or a little bit of entertainment. And today, I'm joined by Mitch Stro right here. We're chilling out. We're just having a little chat. We've been chatting for about like 15, 20 minutes, but Mitch, why don't you tell people that can listen to the rest of our conversation, kind of like who you are, what you're about, and I guess where they could find you. Sure. Mark? Mark. That's right. <laughs> uh, I know I am uh, someone who's big into the health and wellness. I work as a personal trainer. I've been doing that for quite a few years now. Um, like many people, big into the self-development, big into uh, wellness. Um, yeah, just a general uh, health and wellness kind of guy. 100% dude. I kind of feel the same. I was actually just explaining that to someone about how I got into like health and wellness through the avenue of mental health. And then I realized like all of this is all encompassing. Yeah. So like if I had to learn about my emotions and my hormones, et cetera, well then that led me to, to start to look into nutrition. And then that led me to start to look into like gut brain connections and how I can kind of start to improve my gut health. And then all of these different avenues, obviously my background was like bodybuilding before as well. So I already had the fitness. So once you start adding nutrition, fitness, mental health maybe a little bit of philosophy or psychology like you're pretty much just looking at wellness at that point yeah and it's very interesting too where we decide to like draw the lines between things it's like where do you draw the line between mental and physical health Mm. this is a conversation i have a lot with a lot of people where it's like okay like if what you eat and what you do affects your brain's neurochemistry and your brain's neurochemistry affects what you think yeah and what you think affects your no chemistry it's like where do you want to start top down or bottom up yeah where'd you start for me uh like most people bottom up so got into wellness with uh just working out yeah uh high school just the typical like scrawny guy and picked on so i needed to beef up a little bit yeah and so spent a few years just like beating up my body not knowing what the fuck i was doing but um eventually started to move towards the uh the more mental aspect the more spiritual psychological aspect uh mainly through uh, my experience with my father so it was a couple years ago he was diagnosed with als and so for people who don't know what als is it's uh lou gehrig's disease so pretty much the uh the myelin sheath on your nerves starts to degenerate and you begin to lose control of your motor function. So when I was experiencing that, I was getting the big psychological aspect of seeing someone who's facing a you know end of life crisis, who's having to reflect on like, look at how I've spent the rest of my life, the past life. 
and um, you know how do I uh, come to terms with how I've lived so that got me deep into you know different religions different philosophies and really exploring you know what we might be what consciousness is and really take a more holistic approach to health that's crazy man that's a fucking rough journey for sure <laughs> anything like that man is so fucking scary ALS or like dementia is so fucking scary I have a customer right now that I work with who has her husband's got pretty bad dementia and it's like fucking rough man it's scary anything like that like so when you're like kind of watching someone kind of go through that journey like do you think that because there's no way to change what we've done already so do you think that it's more in terms of like coming to terms with what you've done and and just kind of comforting yourself with that because there's no way to go back and fix everything that you wish you could yeah i mean that's the biggest thing that you need to recognize it's like okay like each day is never promised mm -hmm. and you know you have to live with the choices you've made and for some people it's a lot easier to uh sort of frame their past in a positive way where it's like hey like you know i've gone through all these rough experiences but hey it's brought me to this point where so much growth and development has happened but if you're not at that point and you're just stuck in the weeds of it and you can't see, you know, the forest through the trees, mm -hmm. then, you know, it's not such an easy job. Yeah. So what do you like, what kind of tools did you kind of, I guess, learn from or like what takeaways did you have? Like, um, just kind of being able to come to terms because I still fucking struggle with that, man. Like where I look back, why well, even if I so say I look at like my current self. And then I look back at my prior actions and I'm like, fuck, man, I shouldn't have been doing X, Y, and Z. And if I had done A, B, and C more, I would be like so much more further along in my progress. Like I'm, I'm a young guy, like I'm 26 right now and I have regrets. Like, you know what I mean? So like, what kind of takeaways did you have to like, kind of, I guess, watching someone else go through that and you've probably been pretty reflective on your own life. Yeah. Like like what kind of tools do you use in terms of like taking a look back at like your life and I guess dealing with the regrets or looking at the things that you wish you could have done better, I guess. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's going to go a little deep, but uh, the big place where I found freedom is when you're investigating the sense of who you are. So it's like, if you feel like you've been this, there's something that's been the same over time mm -hmm. or like this continuous sense of self then you tend to have that like oh i should have done this oh I, what was what did i do mm -hmm. but then like if you reflect back it's like okay what is the same right now as t me 10 years ago mm -hmm. it's like every cell in your body's turned over you know what what is it that has maintained throughout there and when you really strip that down you know, you kind of figure out there's everything and nothing there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask is like when you're looking at consistencies from like your past self or your current self, like are you looking at like characteristics? Are you looking at like kind of behaviors? Are you looking at like hobbies? Are you looking at like what what is your focus? Because like, when I look back at myself, my past self and I look at my current self, I think of what's consistent the first thing i think of are characteristics mm -hmm. 
Like I like making people laugh. I like making people feel good or feel confident. Like, because I think a part of me is like, I wish I could do that for myself. Like back in the day. Now I feel a lot more confident and now I can make myself laugh and entertain myself. Um, I just struggle with being alone before. But I think of, for me, I think of characteristics. Mm. I think of like kind of behavioral traits because I, I, I don't think of things I do. I think of the things that I enjoy. Like, like I said, like making people laugh, making people feel comfortable or feeling like kind of, I, I've always kind of like emotionally gotten off to getting other people to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of the way. So when I think of consistencies in my past self and current self, like that's what comes to my mind. Do you, is that what you look for? Like kind of characteristics like that or personality traits or do you look at like more like the more physical side of it? Like what you're physically doing, like actions, hobbies, like maybe working out of the gym or do you look at like careers? Like what is it in terms of consistency that you're looking at? Like what stays the same over time? Yeah. Like I like to, I like the idea that it's whatever you choose to stick or you know your karma so all so, of it then. yeah yes and no it's you know there's certain things that are imprinted in us more uh more deeply than others like very traumatic or very emotional experiences which then tend to have a more permanent effect on our personality and you know it comes out like anybody who's had some form of traumatic experience can probably uh you know feel into certain things about them mm-hmm. that are a byproduct of that. It's so like maybe it's an abusive parent, maybe it's uh, you got lied to and cheated on a relationship. But I think none of those are necessarily so grounded in you that they're unchangeable. And that's a, a perspective that a lot of people have a hard time breaking. Because I think at the end of the day, it's like the only thing that stays consistent throughout any period of time is this awareness that there's something happening. The lights are on, there's consciousness here. Mm-hmm. So what does like consciousness mean? Like what, like when someone's like, cause I kind of have my own idea of what consciousness is, but I'm still figuring it out. Like I yeah. couldn't give you an, a, I, I don't think I could give you a definition, but like maybe you could, do you have like a, what does that mean to you when you're saying consciousness? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because uh, you need like for me personally, I need to differentiate between consciousness and awareness. Yeah, because you know you think about sleeping, like you have this period of time where you're not conscious, but then you're able to remember your dreams. Mm-hmm. So you are. I. Don't know. <laughs> That's a skill. It's a skill you can practice. I know. I'm working right. on it. Actually, we can get into that. If the want. dream journals are a good one. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. But there was some awareness of what was happening in that period of time, despite you not being conscious. Mm-hmm. So, with consciousness, it needs to. I don't know, man. It's a. It's a deep question. I honestly don't have a clear answer. Yeah. When you think about consciousness, do you think like individual level or do you think like uh, societal level or like group level? Like a sort of like a collective unconscious? Like yeah, the, or a collective young consciousness idea? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not really that familiar with it, but that's the way I think about consciousness. Like I think about, I had this conversation with my buddy the other day and we kind of, we see eye to eye, but we think about things differently. Like uh, we were talking about God and like kind of like spirituality and uh, 
he helped me out. I said thank you to him. That's mm-hmm. how the conversation started. He said, <laughs> it's just your higher power working through me. Yeah. I said, you're a god, man. And he said, no, I'm not. I need God. And I mm-hmm. said, well, I think we're all God. Like That's the way I view it. So I think, indeed, you are God. The way I look at it is like when you look at a tree outside, you see the tree and you think that's a tree, right? You don't think, oh, there's a bunch of leaves that are on a bunch of branches that are on a fucking tree that's Mm -hmm. in the ground that has roots as well. You don't think like individual parts. So the way I see it, and this is kind of like, yeah, we're going deep real quick, (laughs) but it's like the way I see it is like kind of God or the universe or whatever fucking word you want to use for it is the tree. And then Mm -hmm. we're kind of extensions of like there's like the branches, which is like societies, different groups of societies, and then the leaves, which are on the branch. But we don't look at the tree and say that we just say that's the tree. So I think that in my eyes, that's what God is. And so I think like we're all part of the tree. We're all the same thing. So that would be like what I consider to be consciousness, like group consciousness. And then like you have your own individual level consciousness, which is kind of a microcosm of that. But like in the entire thing, there's not like a separation of like, oh, that's God and that's me. Mm -hmm. Like we're all the thing. Yeah. Right. And so like consciousness is like, there is a difference sort of between group consciousness and self-consciousness, but the difference is just kind of your scope of vision. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it's like a very Eastern versus Western approach to spirituality where it's like in the West, it's very monotheistic where there is the one God and everybody below. Whereas when you go to the East, typically it's a polytheistic where there's different aspects of God out there. So you look at like a Hindu religion where it's like, Shiva, who's the aspect of destruction, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And that's interesting. Like, how that fits in with the Jungian approach is very much like, okay... You're talking about Carl Jung. Right? Yes, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, it's uh, very much like there is the ocean, which is consciousness, and then you're a wave within that consciousness. I and, love that. You know, you're a part of the whole, but you're also this individual aspect, you know, moving through space and time. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically the same analogy. Yeah. You're a leaf on a tree. Exactly. You're not the leaf. You're like the tree. You're the whole part of the tree. So it's like kind of the same thing. I'm, if I could guess, this is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, it's like, like in, I I shared a video the other day with the group and it's like, uh, they even use that analogy where it's like, you're not the wave in the ocean. The wave is the ocean. Mm -hmm. It's a part of the ocean. Yeah. So like, we're not separate from our environment. We're a part of our environment. We're together. Like we're in the same thing. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And I'm trying to think of the researcher. Um, He uh, studies uh, LSD before it was illegal. Before it was illegal? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so like in like the 50s then? Yeah, I'm blanking on his name. He's from... Uh, he, worked, he worked with Albert Hoffman for a little while. I'm blanking on his name. I can't help you with that. It'll come to me. Okay. But pretty much uh, he conducted the very first uh, research with LSD before it was made illegal. And um, he would work with clients and he would record all of their experiences. And pretty much over, I believe it's like a decade, he recorded a whole host of these 
and he would find that one, there was a pattern between um, what their birth chart is and the like alignment astrological of, exactly, okay. and it would dictate part of their trip, but also that people were having experiences that were un, like unexplainable. So he goes into one example where um, I guess it's this guy he was working with was having visions of a very specific, like it was a demon looking thing with a pig head Gross. and it was uh, guarding a gate. So he recorded it. And then after that session with that client, he called up, um, what's his name? Famous author. He did, um, what is his name now? What's the book? Might know it. The Hero's Journey. I can't believe I'm blank on this right now. Very popular. Uh, Campbell. Uh, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell, okay. So he called up Joseph Campbell, who's an expert in uh, the world's uh, mythological beliefs. And he told him about this experience that his client had. And he's like, you're not going to believe me. But this vision that this guy was having is the exact um, god that this one out of out in the jungle in New Guinea tribe has like wow. spot on all he's the details. never heard of it or and this guy has never heard of this before what and it's like just certain experiences like that which make you think it's like okay how deeply do you think he has like lineage back there and it's like an ancestral memory who knows man but it's like I don't know you might have experienced it too where it's like I don't want to get too out there. Let's but get like, out there. Let's <laughs> fucking get out there. When you start like meditating mm-hmm. on a regular basis and you develop a degree of concentration, more and more often, these situations will happen where it's just like, of course that would happen. Where it's like, it's just so played out. Yeah. Where it's like something you might have predicted that it's like, of course it happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple people out there that are probably laughing right now because I always say that shit. I'm like, dude, I could have seen this coming. Yeah. It's almost like it's like a written thing. Yeah, and you, you kind of get connected into something deeper where it's like you were... Uh... I always thought that was just my ego. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick, man. Do you believe in like ancestral memories? I do. Uh, a really good book is uh, It Didn't Start With You if you've never read it but it's really good and the guy does a very good job I'm I'm terrible with names it's all good Um, but he goes and takes a very psychological approach which is very beautiful because people are actually much more open to it because it's not so uh, metaphysical wishy-washy kind of exactly but he works with it and he explains it through like epigenetics and you know more and more research is coming out too where it's like you look at people who have um, uh, past family members who've gone through the Holocaust. Three generations later, they're seeing uh, epigenetic marks of uh, that regulate anxiety levels. So they have li- higher levels of anxiety just based upon, you know, what happened three generations ago. How and do they trace that? Like, do they take like a pool of people that like say? They know like a certain group of people's ancestors were prisoners at like all these different camps and then they studied that group and then they have a like random control group from the rest of society. Like, they're measuring anxiety levels through certain uh, genetic markers. 
Where, do you know what they are? I have no. I couldn't tell you. I I know the very surface level. Okay, I, okay, but okay. The, there's clear markers that uh, regulate like uh, arousal levels that would dictate like how anxious someone would be. Hmm. And so, like, because their families, I guess, genealogy suffered a certain amount, like physically, mentally, spiritually, etc. Mm-hmm. Like that was almost like passed down. Like that level of maybe like. Like, are they looking at, like, hormones? Like, they're looking at, like, we were talking about earlier, like, are they looking at, like, cortisol levels? Are they looking at, or are they looking at, like, more anecdotal, like, how do you often feel? Like, for measuring the anxiety? Yeah. Oh, they're looking at genetic markers. So, certain genetic markers that are, like, uh, regulating someone's baseline, um, uh, like, alertness. That's crazy, man. But it makes sense, too, because it's like, um, back to Carl Jung, he had a great quote where it's like, we are all tasked with the unfinished business of our parents. Hmm. And, you know, you can, at least personally, I I can speak anecdotally that, you know, once you grow up at a certain level, more and more often you realize like, shit, this is what my parents used to do. Mm -hmm. Like you get into a relationship and you, you lose your shit and the first thing's like, fuck, this is exactly how my parents used to fight. Yeah. And, like, all these things start coming up and you start to recognize more and more how much of a product of your environment you really are. Yeah. Do you think that you take after more, like, your father or your mother? Personally. <sighs> Both of them. Yeah. Both. Yeah, it's a tough question, too, because I think I'd say both as well. Yeah, it's just certain tendencies, but, you know, I think... With, with everything it's as you begin to recognize more and more then you begin to have the uh, the ability to change them I like that yeah because a lot of things are changeable that we say aren't like I always have conversations with people and they're like oh but that's just kind of like how my family is mm-hmm. like my my dad was like that my grandpa was like that my brother's like that like that's just how my family is and then like I always think I'm like Dude, that doesn't have to be that way. Like, what are you talking? You, you're saying that like it's a permanent circumstance, but it's a behavioral thing. I remember Stanislav Grof. That was the researcher's Okay, <laughs> okay. Wait, 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 sorry, buddy. It just came to my... Came but uh, no, 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 it's all good, man. Um, but like, I think like so many people attach like maybe behaviors or habits that they have to mm. like their family, right? So like yeah. maybe, I mean, alcoholism is probably one of the biggest ones that you hear about. They're like, oh, my dad was an alcoholic, so I struggled with blah, 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 mm-hmm. which I could probably understand from what you were saying earlier. But there's little things like um, maybe habits or behaviors like, oh, how come you do that thing that way when you know it's more efficient this way? And they're like, oh, I know, but like, that's just how my dad did it. And that's how his dad did it. And that's how my brother did it. So, like, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. And then I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like, but it doesn't have to be. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's yeah. behavioral. You're choosing it, right? Like, do you think that... I mean, that's the a, a really hard question where it's like, where do you draw the line between, like, free will and then just, like, the cycle of habits being who you are? Because it's like, you look at someone like uh, Aristotle... His whole thing is like, what you are in the most fundamental level is your habits. It's like what you do each day is mm-hmm. what defines you. And, you know, if you've been repeating a habit a habit for so long, you know, t- 
typically we become more and more identified with that being part of us. And so if it's something that, you know, a habit you picked up from your parents, you're going to be much more identified with that if you've been acting that way since a child. Mm -hmm. But with that too, like when it comes to things like alcoholism, again, there's like a genetic component in there, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, genetics never determine your future. We're seeing this more and more that, you know, it's instead epigenetics and you can think of it like, um, a keyboard, those are your genetics. And then the epigenetics sit on top of that and, uh, epigenetic, uh, epigenes get activated by your environment and they work like pressing down on a key to turn on a gene. So you might have a gene for alcoholism, but if you're able to, you know, moderate your intake, you know, be more aware that, hey, maybe I do have this greater tendency, then you can avoid that button being pressed. And, you know, I think that could be considered sort of a healing, uh, trans, uh, blah, blah, transgenerational trauma in a sense. Yeah. We, you, you've kind of like alluded to it a couple times and it's like a common theme on this show as well, like especially in the interviews for sure. Like a lot of people talk about this and like you've kind of said it in a couple of different ways. Like in the very beginning you said to like kind of know yourself, like mm-hmm. know who you are. And then you've been talking about identity as well. And you did say, sort of allude to it as well with Aristotle by saying like your identity is like what you do on a daily basis. But like, how do you view identity? Because I think a lot of the world's problems right now that we see, especially in like North America, especially in Canada and like the way that I see it in my circles is like, I feel like people are having like almost an identity crisis. Like we don't know who we are. We don't know what identity even is. And I even struggle sometimes with the concept of explaining this, but like, I always tell people like, and maybe you have a different view, maybe you have the same view, but, Mm -hmm. um, like I always tell people like, you're not your body. You're not your, you know, what you do for a living. You're not your occupation. You're not who you are. Like, you're not what you look like when you see in the mirror. Those aren't what make up your identity in my beliefs. Like, so like where, how do you kind of define identity or like personally, like, or like kind of, if someone's like, when, cause when you tell people, you're like, you have to know who you are. Yeah. If someone's out there listening and they're like, uh, I'm Mark. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you talking about? I know who I am. I'm Mark. Like I'm a carpenter or I'm a <laughs> podcaster. Like how do you define identity? What are you saying specifically? I think it's very context dependent. Like, you know, if you're playing the game of Western civilization or Western society, I should say, you need to do the formalities where it's like, well, I do this for a job. I like these things. And maybe like, oh, it's my sports. Like you need to have these objective objective measures of how to box yourself into somewhere. But like when I can like just sit down and get like groovy with my buddies, it's kind of like, well, like what, what do I really identify with? Well, you can do the practice of like going through and examining for yourself what do you, what is you and what isn't you and so the practice uh, the formal name of the practice is called neti neti which is not this not this something like that mm-hmm. and you know you can sit down and do this on your own it's a fun one but just observe every single thing that passes through any of your sensory gates so 
Notice what you're thinking. Is that you? Notice what you're feeling. You know, just start choosing things around you and just observing. Like, is this me? Like, how can this be me if it's constantly changing? Mm-hmm. And this is where you get into like the experiences of like dissolving this uh, false sense of self. Because we typically like confine our identity to within our body. But, you know, all it takes is just close your eyes and feel this, the distinction between your skin and your environment around you. As soon as you pay attention to that, that it dissolves into nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, you need to have a sense of self to be functional in society, but you also need to recognize that you're something more than that. Yeah. Yeah, because I always try and when I explain identity, I think like um, like a value system, like you're kind of more your values than you are your body, right? Like mm-hmm. if you were to lose your hand, like you'd still be Mitch. Yeah. Even though part of your body's gone, like that doesn't make you less you, you're still you. Mm-hmm. But if you lost like some of your values, I'd be like, I don't know this guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, what, are, what are you using for like an example of your values like you value health and wellness right mm-hmm. so if i saw a snapshot of you say like in six months from now and you're sitting on your couch and you're smoking cigarettes inside and you're fucking eating cheetos and i'm like when's the last time you move you're like oh i walked to my toaster and i'm fucking eating a bagel with like yeah. fucking cheese whiz on it i'd be like i don't even know this guy anymore like it seems mm-hmm. like a completely different person but if you lost your leg and you're in a wheelchair i'd be like Oh, Mitch is in a wheelchair. Like, I wouldn't think of you as a different person. Whereas, like, if I saw your values shift completely, I'd be like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. I thought I knew a different guy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's why I attach more, like, values to not, like, even behaviors. Because, like, if I smoke and then I quit smoking, I'm not less Mark. I'm not smoker Mark or non-smoker Mark. I'm just Mark, right? Mm-hmm. So like behaviors, I feel like don't even define you or what you do. I feel like it's almost more like the value system. Cause like, if you know my values, you can pretty much guess my opinions or how I'll react or what I'll be doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas like, if you just know what someone does, you don't know their opinions. You don't know their beliefs. You don't know their values. You just know what they do. Mm -hmm. So like values are more telling about a person in my opinion than what they do or what they look like or anything like that because if you know someone's values and you know they're consistent with those values then I feel like you have a good idea of that person I like the sentiment of that but I think it's like for me personally I found it quite uh, I think a very irrational approach to these things just because like uh, same with like the experience with my dad I saw someone who identified and whose values were like caring for his family, being a provider, mm-hmm. uh, being a hard worker, mm-hmm. all these things. But then when you're turned into, like put into a position where you lose all of those things that you have identified yourself with, your whole world comes crashing down. Mm-hmm. Because who are you now that all of these values are based upon actions? Like your entire sense of self is shattered shattered and yeah. so it's like not to get too hippie about it but no, like, no, I at, like it, at, at the bottom of it it's like love it's like i think that's the most fundamental thing that you can are you a loving person how well did you love in your life 
Mm-hmm. Did you care for other people? Did you listen? Like, I don't know. It, it doesn't. I'm very. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's a hard one. Yeah, it definitely is. Because now that I think about it, yeah. Because when you have like, even if you have like a stroke or if you have anything that could happen, even concussions. Like some people's values completely shift after they have like a, even just like a concussion. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I wouldn't make them less them. Which then even broadens the idea of identity even more. Well, it's why I, re- <laughs> I really love Ram Dass for that because it's like, you know, you know Ram Dass. No. Okay, so Richard Alpert, uh, mm-hmm. he was there at Harvard when uh, Tim Leary was experimenting with mushrooms, and then the whole research and the not got shut down, and pretty much he went to India. This is just the cliff notes. Went yeah. to India, met his guru, became Ram Dass, so on and so forth. But he came back to the West and was a very, very profound uh, speech, uh, speaker. He did lectures or Dharma talks about different spiritual topics. And sort of like Alan Watts? Very similar to Alan Watts. Good friends with Alan Watts. And um, for a long time, like that's who he was. He was this guy who came back who could give these amazing talks. Like if you listen to any of them, they're very profound. and very very enlightening but eventually he had a stroke Mm -hmm. and he lost his ability to talk which was something that he'd been holding on to for so long and he said this is his words and perspective as well not just me but he lost that thing that made him unique the thing that he was known for yeah and you know it's difficult to talk is difficult to take care of himself and it was the greatest challenge for him that brought him to a greater identity of just being loving awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's his whole thing where it's like, you know, you are not any of these things. You are what's beneath it. You're the loving awareness that holds it all. Okay. And spoiler alert. <laughs> so he goes from being like this amazing communicator to, um, you know, not being able to speak or not being able to convey messages or yeah. kind of give these ideas or ideas or philosophies to people. So like what happened after that? Was he like writing books or was that just kind of people? Uh, he, he, he's I'm not sure. Maybe like, I think he might've written a book afterwards, but um, he was quite old at the time. I think he was probably in his seventies or eighties, maybe later. Probably well, just recluded to a like private life. Yeah, so he still held uh, retreats and stuff, but like he, his health was just so deteriorated at the time where, you know, everybody who was around him at that time was just saying like he was just like had such a, a deep loving presence around him where it's like, you know, it encouraged and uh, brought that about in other people and. So he was just this presence there after that. Kind of just like radiating energy. Yeah. And then people were like, all right, I see where this guy's at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I feel like that's, um, that, that literally reminds me of actually kind of my grandpa because when I was a little kid, I was like 10. And my family is like kind of old in sense that like there's a big age gap between each generation. Like my grandpa was born in 1913 my dad was born in 58 and Mm -hmm. then i was born in 95 so it's like a good 40 years between each generation so by the time i'm 10 my grandpa's like in his late 80s right early 90s i think yeah 90 i think he was like 92 when i was 10 so um 
anyways, to make a long story short, or a, a long story short, he he was from uh, Denmark, and then uh, on his way to North America during the Second World War, he went through like Germany, Austria, picked up the language there. So when he came here, his wife was German. He spoke Danish, German, English uh, was oh. like his third language. Yeah. And then um, raised, yeah, my dad and his sister, right? Um, he ended up being like a single father. My grandmother passed away. And uh, anyways, in his late adult years, like once I'm born, my dad's like a father already. My grandpa had like a couple strokes. And like the first one was probably the most wicked one. And he like forgot how to speak English. And uh, I think even... I think he still was pretty fluent in German, Danish, because those were like his first two languages. Yeah. But he lost English and he couldn't read or write anything. Mm. No languages that way. So like it was kind of like I went from going to this guy's house all the time as a kid to I can't even communicate with him anymore. There's yeah. no way to speak to him. I can't understand Danish or German. And he doesn't understand English. Like my dad had to reteach him English mm. and how to write his name and everything like that, right? And it's like, in your 90s, like you're like, you're, you're supposed to be like, that's like kind of your, well, I guess you are on your decline, but it's like, you can't communicate with yeah. any of your family that's around you. There's no other like family of his that's in Canada even. Like, I don't know any of them. So yeah. it's like, he can't communicate with any of his family. He can't communicate with anybody. He can't even read or write like there's, but like still I would go and visit him and it's funny looking back now if I were to look back at a 10 year old going to do that I'd be like you know I understand but like how are you communicating kind of thing but at 10 it's it still felt normal so like I can kind of see what you're talking about when you're saying like um, there doesn't have to be like that conveying of ideas all the time like sometimes people just radiate a certain energy because he was still able to make me food he was still <laughs> which was a cool yeah. thing at 10 years old you're like oh i'm going to grandpa's he's making me desserts and stuff he was a baker he's a good baker nice. and so um he'd make pastries he'd make like put different rice puddings and different things that danish people make but that was like kind of that became his language almost for me like that's my fondest memory is going to his place for desserts mm. so it's like that's kind of i guess yeah, I can understand what you're saying about like kind of radiating energy instead of communicating and you can kind of still understand someone that way. Yeah, and you know, you look at, there's lots of research where it's like the majority of communication is nonverbal. Mm -hmm. It's like 90% or something like that. Right? Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yes, that is, that is statistically right. It's 90%. factual. It's factual. 90%. <laughs> but yeah, I completely agree, man. That's nuts. Um... Do you think that like when, cause obviously like this is something close to you. Like, do you think that when people, whether they're family or not, do you think that this is going to get, I guess, philosophical or love it, but um, go for it. Do you think that people stay with us that way? Like, do you think that their energy ever leaves? Do you think that, I guess this maybe goes into more spiritual, but do you think that when people pass, do you think that their energy has gone? Do you think that? that's it or like what what do you think do you think that they kind of stay with us i don't this is a bit of a cop-out i don't draw uh hard boundaries upon these things okay like if anybody's ever like picked up a book about anything like quantum physics or anything as soon as you start looking into like reality 
you just realize how much none of it makes sense. And like even like our visual perception, like we see a tiny little fraction upon the spectrum of light. The we see less things than what we actually see. That does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. We, we perceive less than what is actually out there. Yeah, we have limited senses. We have sight, exactly. smell, touch, whatever, right? So, like, we can't... Like, sharks can fucking sense electric waves or whatever. Like, there's so exactly. many other senses that we don't have that we're, like, we have a limited perspective or field of vision almost. Exactly. And there are, I guarantee you, there's other things out there that we cannot sense because we do not have the instruments to do it. Yeah. So maybe one day we'll invent an instrument that's going to allow us to perceive the greater world that's out there. But um, where I was going with this is, I don't know, man. Like, I like the idea of their being, like their energy that lasts or some sort of like spirit or something. But at the same time, I find it very, uh, very hard to, to understand, like rationally. Because, mm -hmm. like, from my own experience, like, I, over time, have fallen more, into, more and more into a, uh, a Buddhist perspective of things. And it's like, when you deconstruct your experience, it's like, what is there at the very bottom? And when you look there, it's like, I'm not going to give away the surprise. You need to do that work yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to, to, to pinpoint one thing of what would last. And it goes back to it goes back to whole whole thing about identity. Mm -hmm. Like, are we talking about someone's traits? Like, is it you know their karma from you know what's happened in the past and then or past generations? Exactly. Where it's like, yeah, it's hard to def you know outside of the body, it's hard to pinpoint what someone is. Or, yeah, yeah. Because I guess if you're gonna think oh, this part of, uh, you know, my grandfather, this part of your father that's, like, still here, like, what is it that's still here? It's definitely not their physical body. Yeah. But is it their ideas? Is it their thought processes? Like, I even think sometimes, like, because I do the same work that my father does, mm -hmm. right? He's he, he runs the company that I work for. So a lot of the times when I'm at work and say I'm faced with, like, a new task, I, I kind of think of, like, if these were my dad's hands, yeah. like what would he do? Like, what would he, how would he kind of go about this problem? Like they don't even need to be gone from this earth to kind of like give you that information almost or yeah. be, be with you when they're not physically. So I guess like, yeah, if you were to look at like what stays, like I think of like, how would they treat this person or how would they react or how would they behave or mm. what would they do? That's, but again, I guess, well, that is different than values. <laughs> but to, to riff on that just a little bit, I kind of like the idea of like what you're going as like, okay, like if we look at it that your experience is within your, your head. Mm -hmm. So it's clear that, you know, there's a delay between things happening outside and then you experiencing it and your brain generating this virtual reality that we live in. With that being noted, it's like, okay, if this whole experience that I'm perceiving is happening within my head, how does it not make, you know, it, how does it not make it real if I were to you know, really believe that 
my dad was here and I was thinking about his traits or I was thinking about his memories. Like I still have neurons firing in my head that were firing the same time when I saw him when he was alive. Mm -hmm. He might not be here physically, but I'm ex my body's experiencing his presence still. So it's like, like time isn't linear kind of thing. Like you can still be that past self that's with him. Exactly. Almost. Yeah. Or like, yeah, you know, if we're not uh, uh, something that's pinpointed in an exact point of time, what's stopping you from being there right now? That might yeah. just be too far out. I'm just yeah. But then just okay, yeah, because then I'm not even talking to you right <laughs> now, man. I'm already listening to us talking, dude. Like that's so yeah. That's but, but that's that's true though. It's like you know, things happen quicker. Like what's really interesting is uh, we experience things happening all at once. Like when I'm looking at you and you're talking, I'm perceiving the visual input coming in at the same time as the audio input, mm -hmm. but there are different lengths away from my brain, which means that they get to my brain at different times. Yeah, speed like, and light travel at different speeds. Exactly. Or I mean uh, sound and light. Yeah, just like from your sense organs to your brain. And so your brain does this magical thing where it takes all of these inputs and puts it together perfectly so that I don't perceive that, you know, fraction of a second delay between, you know, the audio and the visual mm -hmm. components. Yeah, because you're like... And this is me sober, by the way. I'm not even I was like, right now. I was literally about to say, anybody that's hear this, like, this is your cue to fucking light a joint because this is where this conversation is going. But I like this, man, because I'd be interested to talk to someone that, like, fully understands and maybe you do, but, like, a neuroscientist that could, I guess, explain, like, you know, there's, you say something, right? And I see you say it and I yeah. hear you say it. And the sound travels from your fucking vocal cords into my ear mm -hmm. and that takes time. Yeah. And then it has to like then understand the words you're saying and then basically translate that into like, okay, what's, what do these words mean? And it's kind exactly. of translating yeah. everything you say to a point where it's like, this is a picture that my mind can show me and that's what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, that's happening with sound. That's happening with like maybe the temperature in the room that's happening with what I can see. Like I can see your mouth moving. And so like, there's all these different delays. Like it's like the sound has to travel here and then it has to be translated at the same time as like the image has to be traveled here. And then that has to be translated in a way that my brain can perceive an image. Yeah. So it's like, there's so much going on and there's all these different delays, these different gaps of time. Yeah. Everything. When I snap my fingers, it's like, that was that. Yeah. Right. Like it's like, it's interesting, yeah, you say that, and time seems to be like going on this whole time consistently, but like how is that, how could that be happening? Like if I take an event and I'm like, okay, you're gonna hear it within X amount of seconds, mm -hmm. you're gonna see it within an X amount of seconds, but it seems synced, Yeah. how is that happening? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, have you, do you know Donald Hoffman? No. Oh my God. He's one of my favorites he's like he's great ted talks and you watch but uh his uh theory is pretty much that what we perceive visually is nothing like the reality that is underneath it mm -hmm. so his whole thing is and he's 
done, uh, he's made a mathematical equation that proves this, pretty much that over time, uh, with natural selection, we have been farther and farther removed from objective objective reality. Mm-hmm. So what he did is he ran a simulation where on one side the simulated being perceives objective reality whereas the other one only perceives fitness payoffs. So it sees uh, things that will help it survive. So it mm-hmm. sees the food, uh, it sees you, you, you get the gist. And so like one person if, if I understand yeah. you right one person could look at say like a plate of cooked chicken mm-hmm. and then you're saying like the guy that sees objective reality sees oh that's the breast that was underneath all these feathers sitting on the chicken and it was alive at one point and then the other one's seeing that's X amount of calories X amount of things and that's going to provide me like Y amount of sustenance bring it back even further like uh, animals surviving in nature like one has a visual system that puts fruits in like uh, brighter colors so they're easier to see whereas the other one sees just all of the information that can be perceived by its visual system the one that sees less but sees the things that will help it survive or the bright colored berries exactly has a better chance of surviving and so when you run that simulation over time eventually the thing that sees objective objective reality dies off and the thing that sees just fitness payoffs survives and eventually over time that means that we get to the point where we are narrower field of vision where we don't see anything that's real and so how he describes it is it's like the desktop of your computer what we see is like the icons on the desktop. Mm-hmm. We don't see the ones and zeros and all of that information laid underneath of it because it would just be too complex for us to handle. Yeah. What we see is a simplified version of it that can help us survive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when TVs, when we were kids and TVs were only like red, green and blue pixels. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see the red, green and blue pixels. You see the image they're portraying. Yeah, exactly. Fuck, that's crazy. No, but <laughs> Sorry for the tangent. No, dude, it's yeah, actually true. Stuff. But it's actually like as above, so below because it translates into what I was saying, right? Like it's like further and we're being further and further removed from reality. Like think about our most common communication for the, for the lay person, like mm-hmm. the average person is most likely going to be text messages, yeah. right? But it's like you're not seeing what's actually there. I'm not hearing you say what you're thinking i'm just seeing the text of you trying to explain what you're thinking yeah like we're but but like in everything like not just communication but like the same example i used earlier like we eat food every day because we just go to the grocery store we buy it and then we cook it if that some people are just fucking ordering like 90 percent of their food from skip the dishes or whatever but then we look at the food and we're like oh that's a snack and we're just gonna eat it and Mm -hmm. that's just because i'm hungry but like before, like say like a thousand years ago, which isn't that far back in history, yeah. like relatively speaking, like you'd have to fucking see the animal and be like, okay, that might be able to provide sustenance or see a vegetable or a fruit. Like you're not like now we only see finished product 
and we don't even understand where it comes from fully yeah like i've never hunted i've never killed an animal to eat it or anything like that you know like i'm so we're so far removed from the reality of mm-hmm. actual things that we're experiencing yeah and it goes into the whole idea where it's like for progressive uh rate of development there needs to be more uh specificity in people's jobs so you know you look at if you want to get more productive or anybody we outsource jobs we outsource things that we need to do mm-hmm. i don't know where i was going with this point can we uh time out and run washroom yeah 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 cool. for no no sweat dude we'll be right back people and to the commercial this <laughs> brought you in part oh i don't want to buy pfizer all right we're back we took our pee <laughs> break man hey, dude it's so much better to talk when you don't have to pee because you're always like you can't fucking focus at least i can't fucking focus i'm like fuck i have to pee but i was like i was actually uh I had to weigh you out, man, because I peed two <laughs> times before, and you didn't. So I was like, if I go pee a third time and he doesn't go, I was like, fuck, I gotta wait him out. So I was waiting for you to do it, but you're welcome. No, no, you I did. read your mind, buddy. Don't I'm worry. I'm glad don't you worry. did, man. Thank you. So I should have said, um, I guess, like, as we jump back into this, I should have actually asked you, but very in the very beginning, like, do you have anything that you wanted to chat about with me? Do you have anything that you want to discuss? Because I, I don't really structure these things. I know you've got so much fucking cool knowledge. <laughs> we can jump right back into the conversation we were just having, even though I forget where we were. But, like, did you have anything that you kind of wanted to chat about? What did I want to chat about? Nothing in particular. Um, what were some good topics we brushed? Ah, dreams. Dreams. You revisit dreams, man. Let's pick up there. You, where you, open My, well, okay. Um, I guess, so... I don't really have much knowledge about dreams, to be honest. I haven't had dreams from what I can remember for mm-hmm. quite a while. I remember having them as a kid, yeah. but I, I know from from what I know, I shouldn't say I know this to be true. From what I know, um, obviously, like smoking weed before bed can fuck with either having dreams or remembering your dreams, either yeah. one of those. But essentially, it's the same thing in my perception because yeah. I don't see the dream or remember seeing it. So like I have always been a pretty big pothead and so like I don't really have like an idea of like what my dreams are or anything like that. The best I can relate to that is like even say like a mushroom trip. Like I get a lot of value out of that. So I understand because obviously when you're dreaming, it's a DMT release in your brain, right? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. And so essentially like I understand that kind of a trip or a dream are sort of similar and I've, I've gotten and I don't don't doing drugs but my experience is i've gotten value out of some some of the mushroom trips i've done in the past that have actually stuck with me in terms of like behaviors i do to this day so like i see the value in dreams Mm -hmm. and that's why i've recently been thinking about this that's how i'll preface the conversation and right now i'm listening to the audiobook limitless by jim quick and he talks about the value of dreams and how all these great people in history have kind of come up with new perspectives or ideas or inventions etc through dreams that they had yeah it was like holy fuck i had this dream and it, it not that like kind of they were able to i guess have the future be told to them through dreams or that these dreams were showing them images and then if you see this thing then maybe this or anything like that like yeah i think it's more literal than that like they get cool ideas or different things can give them i guess perspectives that help them 
So I'm trying to see, I, I see the value in dreams and I'm trying to view it in a way where it's like, okay, how can I start to, to tap into this resource? That's the way I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it now. And so for me, because I, I sometimes can remember certain things from dreams now, I've been trying to think about it more. The tactics I've been using are like, before I go to bed, I say to myself, like, I'm going to remember my dream tonight. Yeah. And then I leave a little notebook beside my bed so that when I wake up, I can write down anything I remember right away. But that's kind of like the only two things I'm, I've, oh, and uh, someone recommended I take magnesium before I sleep. And there was one other vitamin I don't remember, but I am taking magnesium now. And um, so that, that, those are my tactics to try and okay. remember more from my dreams and uh, I guess use them better because that's a resource I want to tap into. Yeah. Whenever I find out about like, hey, there's value in this, I'm like, how much value? We talk. <laughs> how much effort is this yeah, going to yeah. take? Because if I can, you know, find a way to be more productive in my life or love people better or communicate better or make more money or if I can get a, a, a benefit, depending on the effort level or the risk, I'm in, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I'm trying to get into this more like, what's your background here? How right. can you help me out, man? So where to dive in on this one? I came upon this in a very uh, <clears throat> similar way to you where it's kind of like, okay, like, there's this big portion of my life. Oh, let me turn this real quick because you're comfortable. <laughs> like there we go. There's this uh, big portion of our life, which, you know, I don't know. I can't remember. I'm going to make up a number. Okay. A, quarter, a third of our life is spent to sleep. Sure. And, uh, um, yeah, eight out of 24, right? Yeah. If people are sleeping. I mean, eight hours yeah. <laughs> most people know. Yeah. I was you should. for a long time. Um, if there's this big portion of our life, that is, you know, I don't want to say wasted, but we're not really doing anything consciously. Yeah. Like, how can you make that as productive as possible? So first I went down the route of like, okay, like, let me track my sleep quality, REM sleep, deep sleep, all these things. And that's why I have an aura ring, but mm-hmm. other topic. There's um, a nice little plug. <laughs> They're not paying us. I, I get no feedback <laughs> from this whatsoever. Yeah. But, um... So I got first into how do I optimize my sleep? So uh, quality sleep, uh, depth of sleep, all this stuff. And then I started to get into the more metaphysical aspects where it's like, okay, like, can I lucid dream? Can I like actually remember and do things in my dreams? I could when I was a kid. Yeah? I could. Legit, Uh, dude. I remember. I could fly in a couple of dreams, dude. Those are the best kind of dreams. When I could dreams. just like, I do Dragon Ball Z. I was like, I wish I could fly like Goku. I could in my dreams. Now, I was explaining to someone today, literally today. I was like, uh, I'm fucking clumsy in my dreams. Mm. Like I was like, I was like, the first word I used was slippery. Like I'm like slippery, dude. Like, you know, like say you have a dream where someone's chasing you and you're yeah. running. And I feel like everyone has some sort of a version of this. But like I feel slippery when I run. Like if I turn a corner, my legs keep going the same way, but my my upper body doesn't. Like I'll slip out. Like I'm a slippery person. Like, or like if I were to hit someone, like I know, and like I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm not a fucking trained fighter or anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm a decently big guy, right? And I know that if I were to hit someone as hard as I could, I would inflict some sort of physical damage on most people. Mm-hmm. Some sort, not like maximum amount, but. Yeah more than I could in my dreams, right? So I feel like when I was younger, I could lucid dream more. Now I feel like a limp noodle, dude. Like, 
in my dreams. Like I'm kind of useless. Yeah. I was like Peter Parker before, <laughs> and now I'm like the kid that went to his school that you never see in the movie. <laughs> Like, what I was gonna say was um sorry to interrupt. No 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 no, no. <laughs> it's a good brother. You're good. I like I love the one offs. Um once I got past like and I really figured out how to physically optimize my sleep, I got into the more metaphysical stuff. So I went down a deep rabbit hole into you know what Western magic is? With a K, not with a C magic. Um I've well no, I'll say no. Okay, so it's uh, like sort of like an occult sort of... Uh, like pagan? Because uh, I've done a lot of research on like Norse mythology and kind of like that kind of stuff recently. So I might be able to understand this. Similar. Uh, a lot of the Western hermetics and all that stuff come more out of the Judeo-Christian uh, belief system. But pretty much what it is, is it's the esoteric side of... Um, Western religion and so What emerged from that was this group called the Golden Dawn the Golden Dawn was a group of cultists and they they took practices from all sorts of religions uh, Spiritual practices from all sorts of religions and they created a system and part of that system was to develop and explore lucid dreams So when I heard about this, I was like, okay, I mean, I'm going to research all this and so they've created a methodology of exploring and uh, helping enhancing meditative states and lucid dreaming. And part of that is like what you're doing is keeping a dream journal. So every time you wake up, the second you wake up, you go to that journal and you write down as many things as you can remember as possible. Mm -hmm. And even if you haven't remembered anything, you just simply write down, didn't remember anything, uh, and you get into that habit. And eventually, you'll get more and more vivid dreams mm -hmm. if you stay committed to it. And eventually, if you follow along with the practice, what you develop is the ability to lucid dream more often at least, or at least have better recall of your dreams. Like it's like a muscle memory almost. Exactly. You know, because most people, they don't even think about that. But, you know, once you put that conscious intent behind remembering, then you begin to access it more and more. And uh, like you were saying earlier that there was like quite a bit of value mm -hmm. in, you know, remembering your dreams. I completely agree with that where, you know, you look at someone like Albert Einstein, what he would do is, I think it was like, he would hold a cup in his hand or something in his hand and he'd take a nap in his chair. And so as soon as he lost consciousness and that grip let go, he would wake up. And this is apparently how he came up with, this might just be completely bullshit, but mm -hmm. I read this somewhere. This is how he came up with a lot of... Like, I heard the theory of relativity. Was, yeah, was yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, even in my own personal experiences, it's, like, it's very interesting. You record your dreams, and eventually, when you go back and reread them, you begin to see how your time, like what was going on in your life, begins to reflect in your dreams. And it can actually give you some guidance upon what to do and what's happening, what you might be feeling unconsciously. Mm -hmm. or subconsciously whatever you want however you want slice that and yeah it's a valuable practice I find long winded answer answer I know yeah no I like <laughs> it though because um, I guess I'll start by asking you this this is what I'm struggling with right yeah. now this is my real word my real talk but like so 
I'm I, I'm pretty decent at forming like kind of morning routines, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty good at it. I've bounced around a little bit in terms of what it is, but currently my routine is when I wake up, I do cardio in the morning, like just literally not like I'm not like a fucking intense crossfitter or doing anything nuts. Like I go for like a brisk jog. Yeah. Like that's it. Like I'm just the reason I do it is because it wakes me up a little bit, gets my blood flowing. I just kind of feel more energized and less hungry right off the bat. So like I kind of do it for that, right? So anyways, my morning routine is I go for a little jog around my neighborhood here. I stretch for like five, 10 minutes, nothing too big. Again, just to get blood flow. I shower, I journal, and then that's that. But because like journaling's at the end of the tail end of my routine right now, like when I wake up, I'm still thinking, even though I have my pad and pen right beside my bed, the second I wake up, I'm like almost immediately lacing out my shoes. Yeah. Like, I, and then I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot to write down my dream. Yeah. And I've done that three days in a row now. So like, how do I implement like the first thing I do in the morning? Like, what did you do to start doing a dream journal? Because I always think about journaling like after I've kind of woken up. I need to yeah. actually wake my brain up before I dream, I feel, or before I journal, I feel like. So like, how did you get to just like journaling right away? Because for me, I'm just like, I'm go, go, go. I get out of bed and I'm out of my room. I'm like, fuck, I forgot to write it down. Yeah. Like, how did you get into doing it first thing? So this is like, it would apply to any single habit, but I think like for me, I'm very analytic. Like I, I, I need to break things down and like cue really habit reward kind of thing. Uh, yes, but more like whenever I'm interested in something or like a skill or something, I break it down and I need to understand every little component of it. So I do this with everything. It's just something I do. And for me, I find that the most fundamental component of any single habit is simply awareness. Okay. With that being said, then what would be the number one action to help implement any sort of habit is to gain a greater awareness. So for me, the number one thing that's the foundation is meditation. Okay. So practicing just deepening your clarity and your concentration and having that be more sustained throughout your day is a game changer. And if you practice it to the degree where you've cultivated a, a certain degree of this awareness, the second you wake up, if you're clicking into, okay, I'm awake, then, you know, writing in your journal or whatever it is that you want to do is much easier because, you know, you are taking conscious action of what you want to do. Yeah. But it's hard coming, that transition in and out of sleep is the hardest. Dude, that's the foggiest thing ever. (laughs) I was about to ask you that because in the, in, in Limitless, one of the tips that he gives you for remembering your dreams is to keep your eyes closed when you first wake up. Mm -hmm. Because once you start seeing things and your senses start kind of awakening, like your physical senses start kind of awakening, it starts to like immediately flood your brain with stuff. So you're going to more, be more likely to forget your dream. But then I was literally thinking this morning when I woke up, I was like, when did I wake up? Were my eyes open or like were my eyes closed? Have you ever woken up and you're like still eyes closed? Like what the fuck? Like what? It's such a weird foggy time. I feel like, like I don't, I couldn't pinpoint when I wake up. Was it when I looked at my phone to see the time 
or the clock or like is it the sound the first second of my alarm yeah or like when is waking up like do you know what i'm saying or am i just tripping over no no that, and this is exactly something i practiced for a long time where it's like i would what does what constitutes waking <laughs> up what constitutes that dude you have brain activity while you sleep you know what i mean well and that goes back to like when i was differentiate differentiating between awareness and consciousness okay because yeah the moment you become conscious is when you would be considered awake so, yeah, it, I can't really draw a line of where that is, but there is... Do you a, get what I'm saying, though? Yeah. It, but, you know, I find, like, when I when I used to practice, like, staying aware as I can, this, like, going into sleep mm -hmm. and seeing how fast I can become aware as soon as I wake up, you start to see that that boundary is so, so loose. Mm -hmm. And e even in your day, like, you know... How often do you get caught in daydream or caught in thoughts mm -hmm. where, you know, you're not aware that you're thinking, but there's this whole storyline going on inside of your head that's driving your entire experience, driving your emotions, driving your actions, mm -hmm. and you're not even aware to it. Yeah. Or like, fuck, there's people that are just like kind of walking down the street and you're like, is this person even <laughs> fucking awake? Like, yeah, it's so hard to tell like when consciousness and unconsciousness is... Because, like, I am somebody that, like, like even, I don't know if you, like, if you are, like, kind of more aware of this in conversation, but, like, I have to look away a lot of the times when I'm, th mm -hmm. when I'm speaking to somebody to actually, like, think about what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And so, like, I get caught all the time whether I'm in a deep conversation or if I'm just chilling with somebody, like, I'm just staring into the fucking wall. And I'm yeah. thinking of like, I'm still like with that person, I'm still thinking about them and I might even probably still be listening to them, mm. but like, I'm like, just like off, like mm. I'm just kind of like absorbing for a bit. And so like, I get what you're saying about like, yeah, because am I conscious then? Because I'm not conscious of like, oh, maybe I'm mouth breathing at the time or like, you know, I'm not yeah. conscious of what I'm doing specifically, but I'm still awake. I'm yeah. still listening. My senses are still working. Like, yeah, it's, like, so weird to think about, like, what constitutes conscious or unconscious. Because sometimes, you know, like, there's those times where you, like, kind of wake up before your alarm. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, okay, my, I know my alarm didn't wake me up, but, like, my eyes are open now. How long have I been awake? Yeah. You know, was it, like, like yeah, when I left REM sleep? Or was it, like, like, where's the line? But I like what you're talking about in terms of, like, when you go to bed. Mm -hmm. Because... I have this sometimes this weird experience where um, there's this uh, I do just meditate sometimes just listening to music I do it sometimes just silent yeah but sometimes there's this specific YouTube video that I listen to it's a guided meditation mm -hmm. and it was literally the, my introduction into meditation years ago and I still listen to it now sometimes when I just kind of feel too overwhelmed mm -hmm. like it's kind of just like it walks me through it and uh, the dude's voice is super calming and there's some good music to it. Yeah. It's kind of like just like an autopilot meditation. I can just throw my headphones over my ears and start meditating. And uh, it helps put me to sleep, man. It's really sick. But there's this weird part during the meditation every single fucking time where I'm listening to it. I have headphones on in my bed and I'm just laying there in the dark, feeling my body, experiencing my breath, experiencing that second that moment the, the phenomenon whatever i'm going through the warmth yeah. the cold etc and um 
there's this weird time where I can feel myself dozing off and I have the conscious thought, I think it's time to put the video off and take the headphones off. Mm. I'm, I'm basically asleep at this point. Yeah. And I can, I can still consciously do that and take it off. And then there's other times where I wake up and say like, there's like still an on phone screen that's playing random YouTube videos that just kept going. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, sometimes I am aware of it and I am able to just differentiate, like you're about to fall asleep. And then within seconds I'm asleep, but I'll still physically, you know, lock my phone, plug it in, take the headphones off, turn off the fucking headphones, put them down. And then I'm asleep in seconds. Hmm. It's like, um, yeah, sometimes I'm so aware of when I am falling asleep and then other times I'm like, but I know I went to bed at nine, but when did I sleep? Yeah. It's so weird, man. I guess like having one of those rings or having something that guess like monitors you. Yeah. Would help with that. But like, I'm just kind of, I'm like, I'm raw dogging it, dude. I'm trying (laughs) to figure this shit out. What do you suggest, man? Do I need a ring? For what? For knowing this shit? Like what? You like, never know. It's, or do I just need to meditate more? Do you think that that might be the answer? I I tell everybody this. and <laughs> the, the blanket statement is you need to meditate more. <laughs> Whatever you're doing now, more! Uh, it's not necessarily more. It's a type. I, I like Meditation is such a loose concept. Yeah. And... You know, I always say it's like the development of concentration is the most effective tool if you're looking at it from that standpoint. So different tools for different jobs. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. you know, like everybody has different forms of meditation. Everybody's like, oh yeah, I meditate. Like maybe you listen to something, maybe you're doing like headspace, maybe you're whatever app or whatever, but I find the most effective one, especially for our society, which moves so quickly, is to sit down and just practice concentrating on one thing. It's like for quite a, quite a few months, um, what I would do is I had a little like sticker that you got get from like you know the staple uh, from Staples where it's like your marking binders or whatever. Mm. It's a little dot, and I put it on my wall, and for half an hour every day in the morning, I would sit down. And I would just look at that dot, and every time that my mind would wander, I would just bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. And once I established that practice, I began to realize how constantly lost in thought I was, and how powerful it is to be aware of what's going on in your mind, what thoughts you're having, what you're feeling. Because the moment that you can bring awareness to a thought or a feeling, it you no longer become identified with it. You're then able to take a actionary approach to it rather than reactionary. Yeah. When you're saying like you're concentrating on the dot, are you saying like you're thinking about the color that it is or the size of it or you're just looking at it mm-hmm. and you have nothing in your brain? Like what's going on in your brain? So the practice is simply to look at it and to just place your awareness upon it. So you don't need, uh, you know, let whatever thoughts, you can't control your thoughts. Your thoughts are always going to be right. spontaneously arising, but to just focus on looking at it and 
the uh, perception, the, the your visual perception, and just focus on that thought mm-hmm. with full, full attention. And you know, when you start thinking, when you start itching, when you start getting uncomfortable, pulling back to that thought, pulling back to that thought, mm-hmm. and just that act of you know noticing your attention wandering, bring it back. Noticing mm-hmm. it's wandering, bring it back. Yeah. See, I've always, maybe that's something I need to practice more like visually because I've always felt like I have that sort of experience with sounds. Mm-hmm. So like I'll, I'll give two examples. The first one was when I first started meditating was way back when I was living with my parents and there was construction going on in the neighborhood. Yeah. And at first I was extremely frustrated, but then I realized it's actually easier for me to meditate with a little bit of rhythmic background noise than in silence mm-hmm. because what was happening was there was pounding of a pile driver yeah. but it was the same tempo all day so yeah. I'm sitting there listening to it and I'm sitting down basically in my chair and I'm meditating and that sound was kind of my constant like so for you focusing on the dot was me just listening to this pound it was just like bang mm-hmm. bang 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 and I couldn't escape it there was nothing like I closed my window I still hear it and it kept me consistent. Like it was kind of my thing I was focusing on. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about, you know, certain physical things as well. Like say in the gym, mm-hmm. like I'm able to focus better and be more present with my movements, with my workouts, with uh, maybe a risk of injury. If I'm like, oh, this feels a little tight right now. Like I feel like I'm more focused if I have music in my ears. Whereas like if I don't have music, then my mind kind of wanders around I'm not really in it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of maybe like talking to people or watching the TV or whatever it is. Like I feel like maybe I'm more naturally inclined like in terms of like audio than I am like with visual. If, and maybe I need to focus more on the visual to improve that. I just might be, uh, I think the correct term is sadistic, but anything that I really suck at, I fucking love to do. Yeah. So like for me, like growing up, like my attention was always scattered. So the second that I was like, okay, let's just look at this dot and I would be distracted. I'd be uncomfortable. Like it was just so difficult. It's like, okay, this is what I'm going to practice. Like, you know, I I could sit down and meditate with like a guided, uh, audio, whatever. And I'd find like pretty easy. But as soon as I went to this, where it's like there's no nice sounds, like there's nothing. It's just like bare, you know. You're raw dogging it. You're raw dogging it. Yeah. And it was just so uncomfortable at first because it's like, how often do people really get quiet? Like no distractions, no music, no nothing. Sit there and just be fully present with everything. Yeah. It's so funny you say that, man, because actually now that I think about it, because I'm talking about uh, like music or sounds, like I rarely, like dude, when you came in today, like I never have silence Mm -hmm. around me. I'm either making noise or I'm listening to music. Yeah. And uh, like when I'm meal prepping, I'm listening to music. When I go to the grocery store, even half the time, I have a headphone in because I'm listening to music or an audio book or a podcast. But, um... I just feel like, yeah, I feel like you're right, dude. I never really have silence unless I'm actually intentionally creating silence. Yeah. There's yeah. never silence in my life. Do you ever drive in silence? Not so much anymore. Yeah. I, I, it's my... Uh, it's my pissed off fire. <laughs> the only time I drive in silence, I'm like either heartbroken yeah. or fucking livid. 
Yeah, see, I, I don't get that. So it's like, for me, it's like when my OCD kicks in and I have an idea in my head where I'm deconstructing something or I'm like trying to understand something and I'm like thinking through different ideas. Mm-hmm. It's rarely ever am I quiet when I'm driving. Always something going on. Yeah. Do you turn, so you turn the music off when you're thinking like that? If it's something like I need to really concentrate on, then I need to. Like I, I get overstimulated really quick. Yeah, I the thing is when I'm driving and I'm thinking about something that I'm t- trying to figure out. Yeah, I do turn the music off, but I fucking I speak to myself. I record myself mm-hmm. talk. Like I have fucking endless videos in my phone <laughs> of like, hey, record a podcast episode with this person. Yeah, or like, uh, I want to make an episode about this, but I still need to figure out this, this, and this. Like this is kind of troubling me about it, or. A reminder to look this up later or like it's always like kind of yeah i'm listening to something about that mm-hmm. or i'm just kind of talking about it with myself it's basically a schizophrenic with a phone <laughs> like that's basically where I'm as at. long as there's one mark you're okay <laughs> yeah like as long as yeah and as long as i'm recording it just for the purpose of listening to it later then i'm not as crazy as it sounds yeah but like that's the way i look at it because well i use it as a tool because then i can listen to it later and kind of you know, have a different state of mind or a different like kind of perspective when I listen to it. But at the end of the day, yeah, when I'm trying to figure something out, like some people write down their shit and that's how they figure out their ideas. But like, I feel like I learn and figure things out through conversation, like just like this right now. Mm -hmm. So like when I'm by myself, I'll I'll literally like, I'll say out loud, I'll ask myself the questions that I'm wondering. And then it's kind of weird. Like I'll literally be by myself and I'll be like, is this person going to do this? I'll literally say it. Yeah. Do you do that or do you write it down? Am I fucked? No. <laughs> You're not fucked. I can promise you that. Um, personally, I'm more of a thinker. Like, the majority <laughs> of the time, like, I'm pretty quiet and reserved when people first meet me. And then over time, I open up. But yeah, I'm, I'm big into just thinking things out in my head and then... I'm a very visual learner as well, so it's like either writing words or just drawing pictures mm-hmm. or graphs or whatever it is for me to really be able to work with whatever I'm thinking about, but I'm not much of a, a talker when it comes yeah. to that. But to each his own, man. No, that makes <laughs> sense because I am an auditory listener. Like, So like, I'm not someone that has to take notes yeah. or do things. I have to have a conversation or remember things. Mm-hmm. If I say things out loud and hear them repeatedly, I'll remember them. I'm not somebody that like, write it down seven times and you're going to memorize it. For me, I'll literally, and I feel like this is like some weird, I don't know if it's like a, I wouldn't even say it's like a handicap to learn. But like if, if you were to task me with writing something down seven times, my brain starts to produce just like, how do I do this movement? Like when I was in elementary school and they're like, okay, you have to write lines when you fuck up or do something wrong. Yeah. I will not swear in class. I was the kid that would write I, 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 will, 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 yeah. not, 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 not. Like that's just the way my brain thinks. Like I'm like, how can I make this quick? Yeah. I, I don't like this, right? But if I speak with you and we're talking about dreams then I remember, okay, I have to do this, this, and this because I said it, mm-hmm. he said it, and then I repeated it and confirmed it. Like there was enough times that my brain heard the message that I remembered it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe, I think this comes back to like what I was saying before about people that when they're like, um, oh, this is how my family is, so this is how I am. Yeah. And I'm saying right now, oh, I'm an auditory listener, so this is how I am. 
but I feel like there's a part of me that is able to and wants to tap into the other side, which is what you're saying, man. Like where you're like a visual guy, whereas I'm like an audio guy. Like, well, I, I think like when, when I hear you, what I'm thinking is like, it's the difference between uh, memorizing facts versus having understanding. Like for like me- Like conceptual understanding. Exactly. Like, yeah. If I am trying to, like for me, like when I was just studying anatomy, it was fucking hard because you're just looking at something and you're putting a word to it. But when you can have an understanding of like maybe what is the uh, Latin uh, breakdown of this word or you have a way to frame what you're trying to remember or understand within a bigger context, Mm -hmm. then it sticks easier. So like, you know, you're trying to figure out why is brewing coffee this way better? when you know you look into I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm lost, buddy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I follow you. Like it's um, it's kind of like like if I told you like your digestive system is what breaks down food to give you nutrients. That's like uh, the word, and then the definition. Mm. But then if you understand like the system and the reasons behind the system, you understand the concepts of like, say like the difference between mechanical digestion and chemical digestion, or you understand the difference and you understand the function of each thing. Well, it's like, well, why are we breaking these Mm -hmm. nutrients down? Well, what do these nutrients serve as a purpose? Once you understand all the concepts, then you could better remember it, uh, utilize each tool properly because you understand like, well, if I'm feeling a certain way, maybe I can introduce this vitamin into my life because yeah. you understand the system of how it all plays out. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're like? Yeah, yeah, just like understanding it within a context and within a framework. And then yeah, it's easier to remember when you understand it within that framework rather than just trying to work something out in its own. Like what you're saying, like, you know, try to memorize one word or write one word out all at once. It's, you know, understand it and it's greater greater context yeah yeah because um and then the next step i think because i always say this to some people as well is like um like it's easy to understand things conceptually but then it's another to be able to physically implement it yes big big time i completely agree with that and that's a big issue i used to have when it came to reading books where it's like you know you can read as many books as you want but if you're not doing the work to then really integrate what you've just learned, then what, what's it worth? Yeah. It's like Andy Frazilla says, it's like a success zombie. Like someone that chases like the, what do I need to know? What do I need to know? What yeah. do I need to know? But then all they're doing is learning about what they need to know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, have you tried doing any of those things? <laughs> like you could read about weight loss for X amount of years. But if you don't do the things, you won't get the result. Yeah, 100%. Or same goes with money or anything like that, right? Like it's kind of like, yeah, I struggle with that too. Like, and it's even, it even goes back to the concept of, I understand that journaling about my dreams in the morning will help me dream lucidly better. But then it's actually implementing the fucking habit. Yeah. Like I conceptually understand it, but then I haven't physically done the deed. Mm. Yeah, that's weird, man. You were saying earlier you're a thinker, man. You're not like a, a talker by yourself. When you're by yourself and you're like, 
a little bit pissed off or confused? Do you say what the fuck or do you think what the fuck? <laughs> um, depends. If I oh, if I'm by myself, I'm thinking it. You're thinking it, yeah. Because, dude, I caught myself saying it this morning. I was by <laughs> myself and I was in my kitchen. And I thought of something and I went, "What the fuck?" And I went, "I wonder if it's normal to say that out loud." Yeah. I didn't say the second part. But I did say the former. I did say the what the fuck out loud. And then I thought, I wonder if that's normal. Like, do other people do that? You, you're just a thinker, hey? I'm a big thinker. Yeah. What about in conversation when you think it? Like, if I say something right now and you're thinking what the fuck, do you say it out loud or do you just think it? You don't gotta be polite. <laughs> this whole conversation, I've just been yeah, thinking, you're what, like, what the, the fuck, fuck are we talking fuck? about? Yeah, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, um... I don't know. I like. It's a very weird thing to examine because I feel like when I'm talking, like you're, I'm never thinking about what I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like in the spur of the moment. Mm-hmm. Words are just fucking coming out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sure, in this conversation, a few times where I'm like, "How the fuck do we get onto this topic?" Yeah. But besides that, like, no, not not really, man. It's, Those are my favorite conversations, though, man. Like the ones that make you feel high. Even when you're not high. Yeah. No, but also just the conversations that are able to free run. Like, because I feel like I learn more from that. Yeah. Because, like, I just, I feel like I'm not able to communicate properly if I'm not able to just go off on tangents. Because tangents are kind of how we get people to relate to the other thing that they can't relate to yet. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like I'm throwing you a bone because I know you get this. And then if you get this, you might see where I'm going with this. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I just call them conversational breadcrumbs. You know, it's like you're just having a conversation and you're just like leaving little bits out. It's like, okay, you can travel down the, this uh, road if you want. Yeah. I just, I find it so difficult sometimes. Like, um, I had, there was a guy I was going to have on my podcast and he was like, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. And I was like, whatever the fuck you want, man. I don't know. Like, and he's like, well, can you come up with like an agenda? Yeah. And I was like, no dude I don't have like a structured thing that because yeah. if you tell me talk about this topic I'll say everything I know within a minute mm-hmm. and then that's it. it it's not like a conversation it's just me talking to you, you know I, mean, what I mean I I was almost we're talking that, at you man I was almost that guy I was like thinking like should we like like make a few pinpoints of like topics that's we fine wanna, but we even that's touch fine. on even that's fine yeah but and that's why I asked you I'm like do you have anything you want to chat about because if, if I don't address it, then it's probably in the back of your mind and then you're not present during the conversation. So I'd rather yeah. just be like, let's talk about what you want to talk about. Mm. But like, yeah, like I said, if you give me like a strict thing to talk about, I'll just say everything I know about it and then I'll listen to you say it. And then it's like, well, we're not really like conversing. Yeah. It's just you talking at me and then I'm talking at you. And then it's like this weird inorganic thing and we're trying to convince people that it's organic and it doesn't... It doesn't play out from... I'm not good at faking it. I'm not, like, a good actor, to be honest. Yeah. So, like, um, anyways, the, the, at the end of the day, he didn't want to be on the show unless mm-hmm. I had uh, a value proposition for the audience, basically. He's like, you, we got to give them something. And I'm like, dude, I don't always have something to give, but I want to talk to you. Yeah. Right? And then um, even another example of that is, like, a couple weeks back, I was on my buddy's podcast, and... Uh, we had a topic that we were going to talk about, right? And 
I took fucking notes preparing for it. It was something that I'm like pretty knowledgeable about. It was something about like kind of what my podcast is about. That's why we were going to do the podcast together. And uh, so I have like a fucking two page thing in my journal. I'm ready to rock and roll. We're going to talk about this topic. And that's the main theme. And within the first five minutes, I completely take this off track. And the literally the entire podcast was about other things. Like the first five minutes we were talking about that topic and then the rest of the hour we're mm. on about other shit. And I even apologized to him. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry we went off track. And he's like, dude, I actually loved that conversation. Yeah. So like maybe he was lying to me, but I'm assuming he's not. <laughs> but like, I feel like that's just the way my brain works. I can't really just have like one thing to just focus on and talk about because it brings up other ideas and then I'm trying to figure those out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you can only stay on one topic for so long, too, where, you know, what you're saying, when you're trying to be authentic, it's, you're kind of just spinning off the top of your head and riffing back and forth. If you try and put too much structure around that, it becomes like this robotic thing rather than like a dance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so weird, man. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good way to fucking end it, man. I think that's a pretty good way to fucking wrap it up. Unless you have anything else you want to chat about. Let's pause it there till episode two, right? Okay. All right. Well, thanks for bearing with us, folks. Um, I don't know if you've watched a full episode of my podcast. I don't, I, I don't take offense if you haven't, but I do my own intros. I don't do my own outros, man. That's on you. So um, the direction is this. You got to get people that stuck with us this long. You got to give them some sort of a message that uplifts their spirits or maybe your main takeaway from this conversation or something that will motivate them or make them happy and then tell them where they can find you. Give them yourself a little plug and uh, we'll give a little farewell. Damn, I should have watched an episode. No sweat, dude. I trap, I trap everyone this way. Dude, I trap everyone. You called me this out way. there, okay. Positive um, message or a takeaway, and then just tell people where they can find you. They know what you're about now. Positive, do they? I feel like we fucking crossed every, every road they, on that Dude, one. I feel like everyone knows us right now. Like, I feel like we're best buddies. They know. I, I feel that too, buddy. Dude, they know a little bit about our history. They know about the, our perception of things. They know about what we think about, what we dream about. We were, Actually, we didn't talk about that, but... I mean... You talk about what we dream about next time. Oh, man, we got lots of things we can talk about. <laughs> um, I mean, at the, the very end, I guess, just be authentic. At the end of the day, if you learn to become curious, you will gain a skill that will provide for you for the rest of your life. And the thing is, is curiosity isn't something you can fake. It's mm -hmm. something you need to find within yourself and it's something that you need to be consistent at. Otherwise, it's too easy to fall into the trap of, you know, coming home, watching Netflix and, you know, losing, losing your mind to, to other people's uh, will. So on that note, uh, you can follow me at Mitch Stroh on Instagram. I'm not really on there too much. <laughs> when I have my own podcast, I'll plug that next time. Fucking right. Um... Other than that, it was a lovely conversation, my man. Fuck yeah, dude. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for anyone listening to this or watching this. Uh, we're signing out now. Have a good night or I guess a good morning or afternoon, <laughs> whenever the fuck you guys listen to this. It's, it's kind of getting towards the evening for us here. But thank you so much. Much love and peace out.